Hey all you spooky listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Morbid Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'll be taking you through some of the most heinous, shocking, and morbid crimes, including, of course, the paranormal. Listener discretion is advised. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at morbid, period, curiosity, period, TC podcast where you can find photos related to our cases, including crime scene photos on occasion, of course, with the exception of postmortem photos. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. Hey guys, so this is going to be episode 11 uh, about Elizabeth Fritzel. Um, I will go ahead and warn you, this is a absolute bonkers of a case. Um, this one, I was like researching what, you know, like what case I wanted to do next. And, um, you know, we, we have some pretty horrible cases here um, on the podcast. So, I wanted to do one. It still is very, very horrendous. But, um, there, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel on this one. Just a tad. So, uh, just before we get started, like always, our sources are Wikipedia, Irish Times, The Guardian, The Till Mango, and Independent dot co dot uk so um yeah we'll get into it let's go so let's hop into like joseph fritzel which is like her uh sperm donor as i shall call him if i call him father just keep in mind i am doing air quotes around that word father um so joseph fritzel was born on april 9th in 1935 i tried to look how to pronounce this. Um, so don't come for me in the emails or comments, please. <laughs> but uh, Amstensen, Lower Austria, um, in 1956, at the age of 21, he married 17-year-old Rosemary. Um, red flag number one. Uh, she was born September 23rd, 1939, and they had three sons, four daughters, including Elizabeth, who was born on April 6, 1966. To give you an idea of what kind of man Joseph Fritzl is, um, let's jump into some criminal history that I found about him. So, in 1967, Fritzl broke into the Lynn's home of a 24-year-old nurse while her husband was away. He raped her while holding a knife to her throat, threatening to kill her if she screamed or made any noise. Now, according to an annual report for 1967 and a press release of the same year, he was also named as a suspect in a case of, a of an attempted rape of a 21-year-old woman who was known for indecent exposure. And guys, I can't even talk today. So you're gonna have to look over it because I'm gonna stumble no matter how many times I re-record this. So just kind of bear with me. Um, but Fritzel was arrested and served about 12 months of an 18-month prison sentence. Um, in accordance with the Australian law, his criminal record was expunged after 15 years. 
So as a result, more than 25 years later, when he applied to adopt and or foster Elizabeth's children, the local social service authorities had no idea because criminal history was expunged. So keep that in mind for the rest of our story. This is going to be a long one. So get your snacks, get your drinks, because oh, you, you're probably going to want to throw something. I don't know, but you know, settle in. Let's let's have some snacks and let's get into it. So Elizabeth Fritzel, she was born in Austria in the year 1966 to Joseph Fritzel and Rosemary Fritzel. Uh, she had about six siblings, three brothers, three sisters, as I said a minute ago. Um, now, unfortunately, her father, uh, quote, father, was a absolute prick. Um, and started to abuse her sexually when she was about 11 years old, uh, so in about 1977. Um, after completion of her schooling, Elizabeth started preparing to become a waitress when she turned 15. Um, so she started, like, what they had back then, like, courses to be, be a waitress. Um, she then ran away from home in 1983 and went into hiding with her friend in Vienna. Uh, but police, unfortunately, found her within 20 days and returned her back to her parents. She then later rejoined the waitress courses, completed it, and got a job in a nearby city. Now, just side note about um, Mr. Fritzel, because uh, I'm not going to be calling him his first name. And we're definitely going to try to avoid calling him her, quote, father. So, um, just a side note. Along with his criminal history, in 1980, his mother, Maria, died in captivity in his attic. <clears throat> Just saying. So, moving on. So, this is where things start taking a turn for the worst. So, this is like kind of like her account of what she remembers. Um, this was from like an interview, I'm assuming like after everything went down and everything like that. I'm trying not to give you any spoilers. Um, but on August the 29th in 1988, after she had turned 18, Elizabeth was home alone with her father. I'm not going to keep saying it like father or anything like that. Um, just like I said, keep in mind, he's a, he's a freaking monster and we don't like him. And so when I say father, it is taken with a grain of salt, but just so it, just so I can keep on with the story. Just know he, this man is not her father, okay? He is, but he's not. You know what I mean. Anyway, so he pretty much told her that he needed help carrying the door downstairs to, like, the basement garage area. So he lured her downstairs with, oh, I need help. So, of course, you know, that being her dad, she was like, sure. Yeah, let me help you. So she went downstairs, helped him, supposedly, right? Um... She remembers being forced into a chair after she got down there. Um, she was sedated with a cloth over her mouth and nose. She thinks that it had chloroform on it. Um, so she pretty much just disappeared, right? She went missing. So her mother, Rosemary, freaked out, as one does when your child goes missing. Um, she, like, went to the police station. She, she filed a missing persons report. Like, she was freaking out. 
So as she was freaking out, you know, Joseph was like, oh, maybe she ran away and joined a cult or something, or I don't know. Like he came up with all kinds of excuses. Um, so anyway, so when she woke up though, she was bound with an iron chain in a like damp cellar. Now she was unaware that it was a, like kind of like an extension of a constructed adjacent cellar to the like home cellar. So it was like an extension of what they already had. Don't let my word vomit trip you up. <laughs> but the following day, um, Joseph appeared in the cellar. Um, she said that he replaced the restraints with an iron chain around her waist and violently raped her. Now that was, a, you know, first time there anyway. So, at first, Fritzl strapped up her arms and then tied them behind her back with an iron chain. That's how she originally was subdued, right? So, which he then secured to metal posts behind the bed that he had down there. Um, she could only move approximately half a meter either side of the bed. And she stayed like that for like the first day or two. Um, after two days, he gave her more freedom of movement by doing the chain around her waist. Um, which, you know, he did rape her after he done that. Um, she said that Fritzl later removed the metal chain because, guys, this one, this one kind of made me, like, sit back in my chair for a moment. But this is what he said. He removed the chain because it was hindering the sexual activity that he wanted to conduct, like, that, that they were doing. Because um, he always was like, oh, it's consensual right? We hate him, guys. We hate him. Just, just heads up. <laughs> Moving on, though. So, while she was in captivity, um, he forced her to write letters. So, a little bit about this. So, like, it was like a month later. Um, he handed over a letter to the police because, you know, the mom had already went to the police and was like, my daughter's missing. You got to help me find her blah, blah, blah. You know, like she was already freaking out. So she already started a police report, had their attention, you know, that kind of thing. So he took a letter over there. Uh, the letter postmarked, um, and guys, I looked it up again. Don't come for me. Brauna, uh, which is spelled B-R-A-U-N-A-U. -A -A um, and it was stated that she was tired of living with her family and she was staying with a friend and she warned her parents not to look for her or she would leave the country. So Fritzl told police that she had almost, like, you know, like probably joined a cult, like I said earlier. Um, Fritzl also forced Elizabeth to write letters to her mother, Rosemary, um, pretty much begging her to raise her three kids, Lisa, Monica, and Alexander. We'll get into it. Um, also... He lied to the neighbors that his daughter abandoned the children at their doorstep to protect them from the cult that she was in. Um, he never allowed Rosemary to enter the basement, not even close to. She was never allowed to go near there at all. So, like, her first couple of months in the cellar were, like, a daily ordeal of several sexual assaults. Um, now he allegedly controlled her breathing as well, like, uh, putting his hand over her mouth and stuff during that. 
Um, she stated that he told her, quote, if you do not do as I say, the situation will only get worse. In any case, there is no chance you will get out of here, end quote. You know how scary that is to hear from, like, your own dad? Like, what the, the heck? You know, like, Jesus Christ. Um, also, I just want to say, Elizabeth endured 24 years of being captive by her father while her, like, mom is, you know, her mom was supposedly never connected to her knowing about the captivity of her daughter underneath the house. I just want to say that. It was never proven that the mom knew anything. Could you imagine... Could you guys imagine that? Living in your house, going day-to-day life, your daughter's missing, you're freaking out, only to have your husband, who you're probably still, like, sleeping with and stuff, like, living daily lives, only to have your husband and the father of your daughter who is missing raping her and abusing her and unleashing just unspeakable things on her for 24 years in the same house. Could you imagine the therapy that this lady needed after all this? Like not like the mom. I mean, not even considering the therapy I'm sure Elizabeth would need, but like, holy crap. Okay. Rant over. (laughs) Um, anyway, so she literally endured hell for the next 24 years. Um, literally, (sighs) He came down there all the time, you know. She was, at times, forced to catch rats with her bare hands. I don't know if she ate that out of being hungry. Uh, It did not say, but that's just a thing I kept seeing, that she caught rats. Um, Now, summer was like the worst time of the year for her because of the intolerable heat down in the cellar, Um, which she talked about later whenever she um, wrote, she didn't write a book, but she, you know, she narrated some of the stuff of what happened to her. Um, Fritzel visited her in the cellar almost like every day, um, minimum three times a week. He brought her food and supplies and um, he repeatedly raped her every time he visited her. Um, it was, it was found out that over the course of nearly a quarter of a century, he would rape her at least 3,000 times. So, unfortunately, with him raping her multiple times um, over the course of 24 years, yes, that did lead to unwanted multiple pregnancies that took place without any medical help or checkups, or bottom, prenatal vitamins, etc., etc. Um, she literally was to give birth on a mattress in the cellar, and he helped provide, um, like, disinfectant and a dirty pair of scissors for the umbilical cord, and a thoughtful 1960s book on childbirth. He can go jump off a cliff, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Yeah, so she pretty much had to do everything by herself. Um, Yeah, horrible, horrible, horrible. 
Um, so the, like the first pregnancy was November in 1986. That one ended in a miscarriage in the 10th week. Um, the child was facing difficulty in breathing and he died in her arms when he was barely three days old. Um, Joseph later admitted that he burned the child's body in an incinerator. Um, so pretty much he cremated it, um, which he had done before. So she admitted suffering from like severe depression at this point, And for the first time she had suicidal thoughts, um, quote, her soul was shattered. Um, yeah, so she became pregnant again two years later and gave birth alone to her first baby, Kirsten, uh, born August the 30th, 1988. She lived in the cellar with her until 2008. Uh, Joseph visited her and the baby 10 days after the birth. Six further children would follow in the coming years. Joseph often threatened Elizabeth and the kids, warning them that if they tried to escape, they would be killed. The indictment said, quote, he told them he had installed a system so that the doors would give them electric shots, shocks, excuse me, if they tried to open them and that poison would be released into the cellar if they tried to escape, killing them all instantly, end quote. Um... Some information about the, uh, you know, the kids also that she had. Um, Stefan, born February 1st, 1980, lived in the cellar until 2008. Lisa, born August the 29th, 92. Uh, at nine months old, she was discovered outside the family home in a cardboard box, allegedly left there by Elizabeth with a note asking for the child to be looked after. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't know if that's true because she was never allowed to leave the cellar. So, um, I believe this goes back to um, Joseph taking the kids up and leaving them on his own doorstep and then being like, oh, oh my gosh, like our, our grandkids are here. Um, they need to be looked after because their mom abandoned them and joined a cult. So, that's literally what he said later. So, I'm going with that. This one's not so much accurate. That's just what I found. Um, Monica, she was born, uh, February 26, 1994. Uh, now December in 1994, like a uh, couple months after she was born, she was like 10 months old. She was found in a push chair outside the entrance of the house. Shortly afterwards, Rosemary received a phone call asking her to take care of the child. The caller sounded like Elizabeth, but it was assumed that Joseph used a recording of her voice. Uh, Rosemary reported the incident to the police, expressing astonishment that Elizabeth knew their new unlisted phone number. So, uh, like I said a minute ago, this was all Joseph's doing, taking the kids out of the cellar, you know, probably when Rosemary wasn't even home. Um, I don't know, like I wasn't there, but that's just my assumption. So, he was taking the kids out, leaving them on the doorstep and being like, oh my God, our new grandkids, blah, blah, blah. So, um, Alexander, he was a part of, like, a he had a twin. Um, he was a twins pair. But he, he was the only survivor. Uh, he was born April 28, 1996. 
Elizabeth gave birth to twin boys. One passed away after less than three days. Uh, Joseph removes and cremates the body like he did with the other one. Um, the surviving twin, Alexander, is taken upstairs at 15 months old and discovered, quote, you know, air quotes, um, in circumstances similar to those of his two sisters. Uh, you have Felix, who was born December 16, 2002. Uh, according to the statement by Joseph, he kept Felix in the cellar with Elizabeth and her two eldest children because his wife could not look after another child. So he was just like, eh, okay, you can have this one, which is insane to me. But, uh, you know, of course, you know, some of the kids were removed from the, the cellar as infants to live upstairs um, with Joseph and his wife, Rosemary, uh, who were approved by local social services <laughs> as their foster parents. They didn't even look into it. They were just like, sure, okay, yeah, have them. That's cool. So many people failed Elizabeth, and it just blows my freaking mind. Anyway, um, officials said that Joseph very plausibly explained how three of his infant grandchildren had appeared on his doorstep. The family received regular visits from social workers who saw and heard nothing to arouse their suspicions. So following the fourth kid's um, birth in 1994, Joseph did say, yeah, sure, you can enlarge the imprisonment that I have you in. Because Elizabeth had um, requested that they have a larger space because, shit, I mean, he's getting her pregnant. And I think they've had about, like, uh, about eight kids. Um, of course, you know, you have a few living upstairs, but you have three downstairs. So there's four people downstairs in this little bitty cell. So he was like, yeah, sure, I don't care. So... The cell was about 380 square feet. They dug it out with their bare hands to 590 square feet. Now, yes, you heard me correctly. Elizabeth and the kids had to dig out their cell because his sorry self was not going to do that. He didn't care. Um, the, you know, they did have TV. They did have a radio. They had a video cassette player. Um, they did have like a little refrigerator for food. And they had hot plates where they could cook. So, they did have kind of like a kitchen, I guess. Uh, you can see the um, seller photos on Instagram. Just go, just go look at it. But Elizabeth did teach the kids to read and write as much as she could. And at times, Joseph, if he, somebody pissed him off, um, whether it be Elizabeth or the kids, they made him mad. He would punish them by shutting off the lights and refused to deliver food for days at a time. So everybody pretty much just went hungry and cold. Um, they sat there in the dark for X amount of days. It's insane. So Joseph told Elizabeth that the three kids who remained, which was uh, Kirsten, Stefan, and Felix, um, they lived with her in the cellar up until 2008. Just FYI, all the other kids were sent upstairs by Joseph. Um, as infants to live upstairs. So he was telling them, you know, you're going to die if you try to escape. The whole thing will be gassed. You will be electrocuted if you touch the cellar door. So on, so on. Um, now, later, after everything comes to light, um, investigators did conclude it was a completely empty threat. 
Uh, there was no gas supply to the basement, and the door was not rigged to be electrocuted. So, unfortunately, um, he used a scare tactic to keep them uh, subdued. But they, I don't know if they could have really escaped, even if they did try, but they could have tried. They probably just would have gotten in trouble or, or killed. So, luckily, you know, they, you know, Luckily, that, that wasn't the case. I'm, I'm glad they're, they're still living today, guys. Just FYI, we're getting there. We're getting there. So, according to Joseph's sister-in-law, Christine, he went to the basement every single morning at 9 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> he said it was like he was drawing plans for machines. He'd be working all day, blah, blah, blah. He, like, drew plants uh, for machines that he sold to manufacturing firms, by the way. Um, but he often stayed there all night. And, of course, you know, Rosemary, the wife, never allowed in the basement. You know, she would try to bring him lunch or coffee or whatever. He'd be like, uh, no, kind of thing. Like, what an answer, I guess. So, now, there was a tenant who rented a ground floor room in the house for 12 years who claimed to herd excuse me, to hear noises from the basement. Which, can you imagine how that person felt later in the day? Or later in life, whenever he found out what all happened? Anyway, um, Joseph pretty much just said, oh, it's just faulty pipes or the gas heating system's having issues. Sorry about that, whatever, whatever. Um, probably punished them for that, unfortunately. So... Yeah, so there was actually someone who did hear them, uh, but unfortunately, there was not like a, I guess it was like muffled noises, you know, like, not kind of like an apartment complex, like here in my apartment complex, you hear freaking everything, alarms, talking, conversations, animals, whatever, but, you know, I'm pretty sure he probably um, tried to soundproof it as much as possible, so that sucks, though. Uh, that he lived there for 12 years while that was going on and just had no idea. So after 24 years of captivity, which still blows my mind, after 24 years of being in the basement in the cellar, um, Kirsten, the daughter who is now 19 years old, who was still living in the cellar with Elizabeth, was like deathly sick. Um, so much so that Elizabeth begged Joseph to take her to the hospital. Uh, so he never showed her any mercy, but he did drive her to the hospital in the car. Um, the doctors who were attending to Kirsty, um, Kristen, excuse me, became deeply suspicious looking at her condition and, you know, was like, eh, something's not right, but they continued to treat her. Um, now she had um kidney failure is what she was sick with so she she needed to be hospitalized asap so joseph later arrived at the hospital claiming to have found a note written by elizabeth um he discussed the daughter's condition and the note with the doctor who was dr albert reader i think is how you say the last name um he did go on bbc radio 5 live april 29 2008 he did speak about the note that he found, but unfortunately, that was archived, and I cannot pull any audio like I was planning on it, so 
if you can find it, let me know. Email it to me. Emails in the beginning of the podcast. So, and at the end, I think. But let me know if you guys can find it because I, I could not find it. So, of course, medical staff found Joseph's story suspicious. So, they called the police, let them know April 21st. Um, police did broadcast on the media for the missing mother, Elizabeth, to come forward and provide information about um, Kirsten's medical history because she's pretty much dying from kidney failure and they're pretty much thinking abuse at the moment. So, uh, the police reopened the case file on Elizabeth's disappearance. Uh, Joseph repeated his story about Elizabeth being in a cult and running away and presented what he claimed was the most recent letter from Elizabeth, dated January 2008, uh, posted from the town of Kimeton, Kimeton, K-E-M-A-T-E-N. And yes, I did look up how to say it, but you know, don't come for me. Um, the police contacted uh, Manfred Walfer, a church officer and an expert on cults who raised doubts about the existence of a group that Joseph was trying to say she joined. Um, he noted that Elizabeth's letters seemed dictated and oddly written as well. Uh, some could say it was forced, you know. He didn't say that, but, you know, he did. You're not going to write the same. So, like, if somebody tells you, you have to write this and, like, they're threatening you by whatever means, you're not going to write the same as you normally do write if you're just writing just to write. That was a mouthful. Bear with me. I promise it makes sense. I promise. Anyway, so Elizabeth pleaded with Joseph to be taken to the hospital to see her daughter. Um, on Eliz excuse me, on April 26th, he released her from the cell along with her sons, um, which were also in the cellar, so Stefan and Felix. He brought them upstairs. He and Elizabeth went to the hospital where Kirsten was being treated on April 26, 2008. Following a tip-off from the doctor that Joseph and Elizabeth were at the hospital, the police detained them on the hospital grounds and took them to the police station for questioning. Elizabeth did not provide police with more details until they promised her that she would never have to see her father again. Over the next 24 hours, she told the story of her 24 years in captivity. Elizabeth recounted that Joseph raped her and forced her to watch pornographic videos, which he made her reenact with him in front of her children in order to humiliate her. Ugh, really boils my blood. Uh, shortly after midnight, police officers completed the investigation. Joseph, at the age of 73, was arrested on the 26th of April on suspicion of serious crimes against family members. During the night of April 27th, Elizabeth, her children, and her mother, Rosemary, were taken into care. Police said Joseph told investigators how to enter the basement chamber through a small hidden door opened by a secret keyless entry code, mind you, uh, Rosemary had been unaware of what had been happening to Elizabeth. Now, I must say, um, they never, never, never found any evidence that Rosemary had any kind of connection 
um, on what was happening with Elizabeth. Uh, she honestly did not know. And that I'm sure she, I'm sure she, you know, had some grief um, after. So, yeah, we're not blaming Rosemary. We hate the dad. That's where we're at here. On April 29th, it was announced that DNA evidence confirmed Joseph as the biological father of his daughter's children, all eight of them. His defense lawyer, Rudolph Mayer, said that although the DNA test provided, or excuse me, proved incest, evidence was still needed for the allegations of rape and enslavement. In their May 1st daily press conference, Australian police said that Joseph had forced Elizabeth to write a letter that previous year indicating that he may have been planning to release her and the children. The letter said that she wanted to come home, but it's not possible yet. Police believe Joseph was planning to pretend to have rescued his daughter from the um, cult that he made up. Police spokesman Franz Polzer said police planned to interview at at least 100 people who lived as tenants in the um, Fritzl apartment building in the previous 24 years. So uh, just so you guys know, it was not just a house. It was like a, um, I don't know what they really call it there. It's more like a flat. Um, it was like you had the main living quarters, but you also had like um, little lofts off the the place. Um, you can look it up. I have it on Instagram if you guys want to see it inside. But um, that's the best way I can describe it. You know, it was like a loft, but had main living quarters. He rented out the other rooms. Yeah. So uh, insane. Insane, as I could say. Okay, guys, so I'm about to blow your freaking minds with how this man, like, built this cell and basement to be able to, like, keep his daughter captive for that long. Now, I know I think I said earlier, I can't remember if I deleted that recording or not, but I remember when I was like, I'd be that nosy wife and be like, why can't I visit you in the basement kind of thing and be down there nose around trying to unlock stuff and stuff. Sometimes my uh, research, I, for, I forget <laughs> sometimes. So uh, I blew my mind again. So I'm about to blow your mind as well. So as we know, he turned the basement into the cell in like 1981 to 1982. Um, this is going to be some very specific details for you about like how extensive this basement is. So the Fritzl property is a building dating from around 1890. A newer building was added after uh, 1978 when he applied for a building permit for an extension with the basement. In 1983, building inspectors visited the site and verified that the new extension had been built and it was an according, you know, like to the dimensions specified on the permit. So good to go, right? But Joseph had illegally enlarged the room by excavating space for a much larger basement concealed by walls. According, or excuse me, around 1981 to 1982, according to his statement, Joseph started to turn the hidden cellar into a prison cell. He installed a wash basin, a toilet, a bed, a hot plate, and a refrigerator. 
1983, he added more space by creating a passageway to like a pre-existing basement area under the old part of the property of only which he knew about. So, at like, before the extension, there was already a basement. He added on. So, like, nobody freaking knew about that, right? Okay. Anyway, so the concealed cellar had about, like, a 16-foot corridor, a storage area, and three small open cells. They were all connected by a narrow passageway um, and a basic cooking area and bathroom facilities, followed by two sleeping areas, which were equipped with two beds each. So, that's where Elizabeth and the kids would stay. Um, it covered an area of approximately 590 square feet. Because, like I said earlier, her and the kids expanded it by hand to 590 square feet. Um, the cell had two access points. This is where shit gets crazy. This is where it blew my mind, right? When I first read it. So, the cell had two access points. One being a hinge door that weighed... 1,100 pounds, which is thought to have become unusable over the years because of its weight. And the second one was a metal door reinforced with concrete on steel rails that weighed about 660 pounds and measured like eh, approximately like 3.3 feet high and about two feet wide. So it was really tiny. It's like, I'm five foot two. I'm small, but that's like super small. Um, so it was located behind a shelf in the Fritzl's basement workshop, which Rosemary was never allowed down to, um, protected by an electronic code, like one of those little keypads, keyless entry pads, right? Um, in order to reach this door, bear with me, this is insane. In order to reach this door, five, yes, you heard me, five locking basement rooms had to be crossed. So even if Rosemary was to get down there, she wouldn't have got too far. Nobody would have besides him. Um, to get to the area where Elizabeth and the children were held, eight doors in total, eight doors in total needed to be unlocked and two of them had keypads that you had to have unlocked as well. So they were super secured down there in the basement. Like nobody, nobody, nobody but Joseph probably would have ever been able to get down there with them. So um, in my mind, Kirsten getting sick was like probably the best thing that could have ever happened to Elizabeth and her children because she pretty much freed her family from the hell that they were living in for 24 years or Elizabeth was living in for 24 years and you know Kirsten was 19 so that's insane but she you know she didn't get herself sick but like her sickness saved everyone so something something to think about we'll move on um we're going to talk about like uh, like his self-betrayal and like psychiatric assessment that they did for him whenever like he was uh, arrested and all that kind of stuff. All right, guys, let's take a little break. Uh, go to the bathroom, get some snacks and a drink, do whatever you got to do. Uh, come back and we're going to finish the episode.
So after his arrest, um, Joseph claimed that his behavior toward his daughter did not constitute rape, but it was consensual. We know that's a big fat lie. Anyway, uh, Mayer forwarded extracts from the minutes of his talks with his client to the Austrian Weekly News for publication. Now, according to these statements, Joseph said, quote, always knew during the whole 24 years that what I was doing was not right, that I must have been crazy to do such a thing. Yet it became a normal occurrence to lead a second life in the basement of my house, end quote. Now, regarding the treatment of the family he had with his wife, Joseph stated, quote, I am not the beast that the media make me out to be, end quote. Regarding his treatment of Elizabeth and the kids in the cellar, he explained that he brought her flowers and books and toys for the kids into the bunker. And that's what he called it, a bunker. Um, often, you know, watched videos with the kids and ate meals with Elizabeth and the children. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it, but yeah. Um, now, Joseph decided to imprison Elizabeth after she did um, not adhere to any rules anymore. So, when she became a teenager, so like 18. Um, that is why, this is a quote from him, excuse me. Uh, quote, that is why I had to do something. I had to create a place where I could keep Elizabeth by force if necessary, away from the outside world. End quote. Now, he suggested that the emphasis on discipline in the Nazi area um, during which he grew up until the age of 10 might have influenced his views about, like, um, decency and good behavior. Um, the chief editors of News Magazine noted that in their editorial that they expected Joseph, uh, excuse me, Joseph's statement to form the basis of the defense strategy of his lawyer. Now, critics said... Uh, his statement may have been a ploy to prepare for an insanity defense. So keep that in mind. Now, reflecting on his childhood, Joseph initially described his mother as the best woman in the world and as strict as it was necessary. Later, he expressed a negative opinion of his mother and said, quote, She used to beat me, hit me until I was lying in a pool of blood on the floor. It left me feeling totally humiliated and weak. My mother was a servant and she used to work hard her whole life. I never had a kiss from her. I was never cuddled, although I wanted it. I wanted her to be good to me, end quote. He also claimed that she called him a Satan, a criminal, a no good, that he had like a horrible fear of her. Um, in 1959, after Joseph had married and bought his house, his mother moved in with them. Over time, their roles reversed and his mother came to fear him. Eventually, he also admitted he had later locked his mother in the attic and bricked her up, um, excuse me, and bricked up her window after telling neighbors that she had died and kept her locked up until her death in 1980, as I stated earlier in the, in the episode. Um, it is unknown how long Joseph kept his mother locked up in the attic, but newspapers have speculated that it may have been up to 20 years. In a report by a forensic psychiatrist, Adelheid Castor, uh, Joseph's mother is described as unpredictable and abusive. 
Now, Joseph referred to himself as an alibi child, meaning that his mother only gave birth to him to prove that she was not barren and could produce children. Joseph claims that his excuse me, pathological behaviors is in it. During his prison stint for the earlier rape conviction, he admits that he planned to lock his daughter up so that he could contain and express his evil side. He said, quote, I was born to rape and I held myself back for a relatively long time. I could have behaved a lot worse than locking up my daughter, end quote. Disgusting is the only word that I have for you, sir. Um, the forensic psychiatrist diagnosed um, him as having like a severe combined personality disorder, which included like borderline schizotypal, don't come for me, I looked it up, <laughs> and schizoid personalities and a sexual disorder and recommended that he receive psychiatric care for the entirety of his life. Uh, later reports have revealed that Joseph's premeditated plan to lock his daughter up was not for discipline, but who's guessed it, but for his own gratification. So prosecutors investigation. So you remember earlier when I told you they had an agreement, she would never have to see your father again. This is what this was about. So, um, pursuant to the agreement, uh, she would never have to see him again. She gave videotaped testimony before Austrian prosecutors and investigators on July the 11th, 2008. Now, November 13th, 2008, authorities in Austria released an indictment against Joseph. He stood trial for the murder of the infant Michael, who had died shortly after birth, and faced between 10 years and life imprisonment. He was also charged with rape, incest, kidnapping, false imprisonment, and slavery, which carried a maximum 20-year term. So the trial of Joseph Fritzl commenced on March 16, 2009. It was presided over by the judge Andrea Humer, um, or Hummer, H-U-M-E-R. Um, on day one, Joseph entered the courtroom attempting to hide his face from the cameras behind a blue folder, which he was entitled to do under Austrian law. I have a photo. Go to Instagram. Um, after opening comments, all journalists and spectators were asked to leave the courtroom, whereupon Joseph lowered his binder. Joseph pleaded guilty to all charges with the exception of murder for Michael, the infant, and a grievous assault by threatening to gas his uh, captives if they disobeyed him. In his opening remarks, Rudolph Mayer, the defending counsel, appealed to the jury to be objective and not be swayed by emotions. He insisted Joseph was not a monster, stating that Joseph had brought a Christmas tree down to his captives in the cellar during the holiday season. whoop de freaking do Do you want a cookie for that? First off, like, seriously? He raped his own daughter, made her have eight kids by herself, delivering all of them by herself. No medical help. You gonna make me go on a rant. I know, I know the defensive counsels are always doing their job, but I always wonder what goes through their minds whenever they're like defending someone and there's like overwhelming evidence. Um, sorry, my cat just sneezed. I don't know if you guys heard that. It's you, you. Anyway, um, I don't really know like what goes through 
their heads like I wonder if they're like holy crap I can't believe I'm helping this person like what a monster he is but then on the stand they're like he's not a monster he brought a Christmas tree downstairs to him like <sighs> I can never be a lawyer holy crap <laughs> So, moving on from my rant, uh, Christine Berkheiser, um, prosecuting her first case since being appointed chief prosecutor, pressed for life imprisonment in an institution for the criminally insane. She demonstrated for jurors the low height of the ceiling in the cellar dungeon by, mar uh, excuse me, by making a mark on the door to the courtroom, which was about like five feet, eight and a half inches. And described the cellar as damp and moldy, passing around a box of musty objects taken from the cellar, the odor of which made jurors flinch. Kudos to her, man. Kudos to her. She fresh off of the freaking, like, you know, prosecutor boat, whatever. Like, she's, you know, she doing good. She doing good. Anyway. Um, on the first day of testimony, jurors watched 11 hours of testimony recorded by Elizabeth in sessions with police and psycho um, psychologists in July of 2008. Now, the tape is said to have been so harrowing that the eight jurors did not watch more than two hours at a time. Four replacement jurors were on standby to replace any of the regular jurors in the case Um in case they could not bear to hear any more evidence. So, there's probably a lot more details that we don't know that happened, that happened, that were making people not be okay. So, besides the video testimony, though, Elizabeth's older brother, Harold, testified and said that he was physically abused by Joseph as a child. Um, Joseph's wife, Rosemary, and uh, Elizabeth's children refused to testify. Which, you know, I mean, honestly, Rosemary didn't really have any freaking clue. And the children, they're, they're children. So, I mean, you know, can't really, can't really go too much there. But, moving on. And just so you guys know, I did try to find, um, like, Elizabeth's testimony. I was going to try to have it, um... See, like, if I could find it, like, translated or anything. I couldn't find anything. Um, so, just, I tried. I tried. Because I think it would have been a powerful, powerful thing to hear. But, um, on March 18, 2009, Elizabeth attended the second day of the criminal trial against her father in preparation for a book she wrote about her ordeal. She did not plan to see her father again. Now, um, Joseph's attorney, Rudolph Mayer, confirmed that she had been in the visitor's gallery in disguise at the time her video testimony was aired. Um, quote, Joseph Fritzl recognized that Elizabeth was in court, and from this point on, you could see Joseph Fritzl going pale, and he broke down, end quote. That's what Mayer had said. Um, it was a meeting of eyes that changed his mind. Uh, the next day, Joseph began the proceedings by approaching the judge and changing his pleas to guilty on all charges. Uh, on March 19, 20, or excuse me, 2009, um, Joseph was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole for 15 years. He said that he accepted the sentence and would not appeal. Um, now, Joseph is currently serving out his sentence in Garston Abbey, 
a former monastery in Upper Austria that had been converted into a prison. So let's hop on over to the aftermath of what we know about Elizabeth and the kids. Because everyone is alive and doing well um, per, you know, uh, some therapists and some other things. So uh, Judge Humer, uh, Hummer, who presided over the trial, stated medical experts reported Elizabeth and her children were in relatively good health. Um, after being taken into care, Elizabeth and all six of her surviving children and her mother were housed in a local clinic, clinic excuse me, where they were shielded from the outside environment and received medical and psychological treatment. Members of the Fritzl family were offered new identities, but it was emphasized um, that it was their choice to make. Like, it was up to them. In May 2008, a handmade poster created by Elizabeth, her children, and her mother at the therapy facility was displayed in the Absence Town Center. Amstenton? So that's a mouthful. Yes, yes. Uh, the message uh, thanked local people for their support. Quote, we, the whole family, would like to take the opportunity to thank all of you for your sympathy at our fate. End quote. Uh, there was another one that said, quote, your compassion is helping us greatly to overcome these difficult times. And it shows us there also are good and honest people here who really care for us. We hope that soon there will be a time where we can find our way back into a normal life. End quote. Now, yay, Kirsten uh, was good to go. Uh, she survived her kidney failure. She was reunited with her family on June 8, 2008. Uh, when she was awakened from her artificially induced coma that they had to put her in, uh, doctor said that she would make a full recovery. So that's that's great. And it was also revealed that Elizabeth and her children were more traumatized than previously thought, unfortunately. Um, but you know, during captivity, Kristen uh, tore out her hair in clumps and was reported to have shredded her dresses before stuffing them in the toilet. Um, Stefan could not walk properly because of his height. He was like five, eight, um, which had forced him to stoop in like five, six cellar. So like he, you know, hunched over quite a bit. Um, it has also been revealed that normal everyday occurrences, such as like dimming of lights or closing of doors, plunge Kirsten and Stephen into anxiety and panic attacks. Uh, the other three of Elizabeth's children who were raised by their father are being treated for anger and resentment um, at the events. In late July 2008, it emerged that Elizabeth uh, ordered her mother Rosemary out of the villa that they had been sharing in, in a secret location set up for them by a psychiatric clinic. Um, Elizabeth was upset about Rosemary's passiveness during her upbringing um, lawyer Christoph Herbis, who represented, um, or excuse me, who represents Elizabeth and her family, said, quote, fortunately, everything is going well, end quote. They spend their time answering hundreds of letters from all over the world. Felix, Kristen, and Stefan, brought up underground with their mother, have learned to swim. All of Elizabeth's children attended a four-day summer camp organized by firefighters, with 4,000 other young campers in August 2008. 
The children, along with their mother, also have made day trips, including swimming outings, um, on which care was taken to keep them out of reach of the paparazzi and to protect their privacy. Um, March 2009, Elizabeth and her children were forced to move out of the family's hideaway home and return to the psychiatric clinic where medical staff had started trying to heal the family and unite the upstairs and downstairs siblings during the previous year. That's what they pretty much call themselves. Upstairs kids, downstairs kids. Because the ones that, you know, were put out by Joseph and found miraculously on the doorstep, they had a completely different life than the kids downstairs. Elizabeth was reported to be distraught and close to a breakdown after a British paparazzo had burst into her kitchen and started taking photographs, which first off, go F yourself, because how could you do that to someone who, like, are you serious right now? Like, y'all paparazzis are crazy. I'm gonna go ahead and say, like, it's so invasive, especially breaking into her house. Are you kidding me? Anyway, um, after the trial, Elizabeth and her six children uh, were moved into an unnamed village, which they call Village X now, um, in northern Austria, where they were living in like a fortress-like house after that. Um, all of the children require ongoing therapy, of course. Factors that traumatize the upstairs children include learning that Joseph had lied to them about their mother, abandoning them. Uh, the abuse they had received from him during their childhood, and finding out that their siblings had been imprisoned downstairs in the cellar. The downstairs children received therapy due to their, and I'm not saying that out of disrespect, just, just, that's just what they called them in their reports. So, I apologize if that's offensive to anybody. I uh, didn't really think about it, but yes. Um, so, the downstairs children received therapy due to their deprivation from normal development, the lack of fresh air and sunshine while living combined in the basement and the abuse that they and their mother had received from Joseph when he visited them in the basement. Uh, now, got to remember, not only were they probably abused, they had to watch his mother, their mother, be raped in front of them. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, all of the children might have genetic problems common to children born of incestuous relationship. Um don't really have anything confirmed on it, but it's just possible in the future they may have problems. Um, Elizabeth was said to be estranged from her mother now, Rosemary, um, who accepted Joseph's story about Elizabeth joining a cult and did not pursue the matter further. Um, but Elizabeth allows her three children who grew up in Joseph and Rosemary's house to visit her regularly. So kudos to Elizabeth for doing that. Uh, Rosemary lives alone in a small apartment now. Um, an article in March 2010 in The Independent stated um, that Elizabeth and her children recovered remarkably well, given the difficulties um, in life that they've endured so long for so long. Um, according to Joseph's sister-in-law, Christine, Elizabeth enjoys spending her time shopping, taking frequent showers, and driving. She has passed her driving test without any difficulty. Um, her relationship with Thomas, one of her bodyguards, um, who is like 23 years younger than her, was reported to be ongoing, so they're a thing, uh, with him becoming like a big brother figure to her kids. All of Elizabeth's children have developed normal sibling relationships with each other, and after having trouble dealing with the traumatic events, the three upstairs children slowly began recognizing Elizabeth as their mother. 
Uh, the children enjoy being outdoors, playing video games, and spending time with their mother and grandmother. Despite their strained relationship, Elizabeth and her mother Rosemary started visiting each other more. And Elizabeth has reportedly, excuse me, reportedly forgiven her mother for believing her father's story. Which is amazing because, honestly, I don't really feel like Rosemary knew. And, you know, here's the thing. It's like, I've seen so many things. You know, you watch Dateline Forever. You watch all these crime shows, true crime documentaries, blah, blah, blah. Um, after, after so many times, people can convince people of the stupidest things. Like, people can gaslight people in believing, oh, the grass is blue. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just because of the light and this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. Like, people can convince people of some crazy stuff. So, I'm glad that everybody is doing well and, you know, um, I, I'm happy. I'm happy for them. They deserve it, especially after a long life of misery. So, we're, we're loving it. We're loving it so far. We're happy for them. So, the house um, of where all this took place is still standing. I don't know if the basement is still standing, and I'll tell you why. Um, because uh, this made me happy. June 28, 2013. Workers began filling the basement of the Fritzel home with concrete. I don't know if that was the entirety or partial. I'm not really sure. But they pretty much said, F that basement. We're getting rid of it. And they pretty much turned the house into apartments, I think, from what I read. Um, now, the estate liquidator, Walter, last initial A, uh, stated that the construction would cost about, in USD, about uh, $106,866 and would take about a week to complete. Now, the house was sold on the open market. While most neighbors approved of the proposal, some preferred that the property be demolished due to its horrible history, which I feel probably would have been a better idea, but whatever. Um, asylum seekers were offered the house to live in. Uh, the house was sold for about approximately USD money, $170,985 um, in December 2016 with the buyers voicing their intention to convert the building into apartments. So, yeah, I was right. Uh, yeah, apartment building, you know, I'm sure people live there and are probably bothered by the freaking paparazzi all the time. <laughs> I can only imagine. Kind of like um, American Horror Story, like the murder house. Oh, my God. And the charmed house from, you know, charmed. I'm sure they're bothered all the time. I would not want to live in somewhere that has either a horrible history, TV history, movie history, whatever. But not want to live there. So May 2017, Joseph changed his name to Joseph Mayroff, uh, probably due to getting his butt kicked in prison um, and getting his teeth knocked out after other inmates set up a fake dating profile with his name and picture. <laughs> oh god. Oh, sorry. I could just imagine him getting his little like 80-year-old butt whoop. Anyway, um, Ark Perry, a British journalist who interviewed Fritzel in his cell, says he has shown no remorse for his crimes. And he actually recalls him saying, uh, quote, just look into the cellars of other people. You might find other families and girls down there, end quote. Man got a point, though. Nobody ever gonna look in a cellar, but got a point. Ah, sicko. Anyway, um, 
In April 2019, it was reported that Fritzl's health was declining and he did not want to live anymore. Uh, boy, bye. <laughs> uh, bye. In early 2022, the regional court of Krings in Lower Austria decided that it would um, be a good idea to move Fritzl from a special unit uh, for the criminally insane and Crimson prison to the regular prison system. <laughs> oh, they're going to kick his butt in regular prison system. Anyway, um, this in turn would mean that after having served 15 years of his sentence, he would be able to apply for early release, which is unfortunate, uh, which should never happen. Uh, the public prosecutor's office was opposed to this plan and immediately appealed the decision. The higher regional court has appointed an expert to examine Fritzl in order, um, excuse me, in an effort to determine his psychiatric and neurological condition after more than 10 years in prison, much of which has been sent, uh, spent separated from other inmates, which I know some of you guys are like, he's by himself. I mean, I don't know. Like I used to work in detention. Uh, being in solitary confinement is like the best thing for um, making someone go crazy, pretty much. Uh, you get, you get bored as heck in the, in the solitary confinement. So hopefully his 15 years was horrendous. Nowhere near what he made her suffer, but it could be something. And plus he got his teeth knocked out. So, you know, little, little bit of a smack in the face from the universe, if I don't say so myself. Um, now if the expert detects any abnormalities, um, Joseph will have to remain in the prison system and will not be eligible to ask for early release. However, he could be released from prison as early as 2024 if the expert deems the 86-year-old is of sound mind. Now, this man, 86, he probably, 86, he probably gonna die even if he does get released out of prison, so, you know, it is what it is. Um, I hope he doesn't know. That's not what I mean, but I hope he doesn't. He can jump off cliff for all I care. Um, now there was a film, um, on Elizabeth's story called Girl in the Basement. Uh, the film entitled Girl in the Basement, which is a crime film, is a true story of her, um, like her life in captivity. Uh, the film is based on the story of Sarah a teenage girl who just turned 18 and is in desperate, um, excuse me, and is desperate to leave her parents' house. Her father, who is not willing to let her go, kidnaps her and locks her up in the basement and starts abusing her for years. So I don't know if they put everything in there. I'm not really sure. But just so you guys, if you guys want to go watch it, um, fair warning, there could be rape and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff in there. So, uh, but if you want to watch it, I don't know where you can look it up on Google. You may have to find the English version. I don't know if it's in, in their language or not. Not really sure. Anyway, um, so where is Joseph today? Um, he, uh, as far as we know, like I said, changed his name. And he did not want to reveal his, his identity in his final days. And he is still serving life sentence. Ha ha. So um, there was another kidnap victim though that I want to talk about real quick. So her name is Natasha Campush. Um, she gave about $25,160 to Elizabeth um, after she heard her story. Now go read about Natasha's story because hers is just crazy. Um, 
she was snatched up and forgive me for the pronunciation. Um, it is German, so I'm going to try. But um, she was snatched up by Wolfgang Prickle, um in 1998 as she walked to school and was held captive eight years and she managed to escape. So she also identified with Elizabeth's story. Um, these are some quotes So from her. So, quote, I recognize Joseph Fritzl as a monster. I wanted to reach out to Elizabeth and meet her, but she is heavily protected. So I decided to give her some of the money that had been given to me by well-wishers, end quote. And that's what she told the son. Well, guys, that's all for today's episode. Tune in next Monday for another riveting case where I will traumatize you more than you already are. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out my Instagram at morbid period curiosity period TC podcast for photos related to each case that I cover. Uh, feel free to email me any case suggestions or spooky stories at morbidcuriositytcpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, whatever app you listen on. And I appreciate all you spooky listeners. Stay kind, stay spooky, and for the love of God, don't murder anyone. <laughs>